Well, hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry. And we're here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, uh, over the last several weeks, we've been diving into the Sermon on the Mount, especially the Beatitudes, that first portion of that series of statements that Jesus makes about the upside-down kingdom and what the values of the upside-down kingdom are and and the benefits that come from that, the blessings that come from that. And then he moves into the larger section of the sermon. But before he gets to the, you know, that part of the sermon where he's talking about, hey, you've heard what it was said, but I'm going to tell you this. And he starts kind of laying down some a, a new framework for life. He makes this a pretty striking statement that I think if you're not involved in the church, if you're not in the church world, you probably would find it to be pretty strange. Mm-hmm. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, should I be insulted? Should I be encouraged? Yes. <laughs> I should be insulted yes. by Jesus. Yeah. That's what I he's trying to do yep. there. Jesus is like laying it down. Now that you've listened to me do the Beatitudes, now let <laughs> now me insult, insult you. you. And, uh, you salty yeah, you, you salty. <laughs> so what, what is he saying there? I mean, I, I, you are the salt of the earth. What, what, is it, what does he mean? Yeah, I think the, the first century use of salt uh, needs to be considered in this. Mm. It was a, yeah. we think of salt as you just use it to flavor things. Like Salt right. Bay. Exactly. Yeah. Right. The, the, the classic drip the salt from, yes. you know, from on way high, up high onto the, yes. meat. Onto the meat. But they yeah. used it as a preservative as well right. as uh, right. later on in the verse, he talks about uh, it not being any, like once salt has, has been used completely, they would throw it out mm-hmm. to help dissolve manure piles for right. their animals and stuff like that. And so they, they used it extensively mm-hmm. much more than, than we do. And yeah, it was so, one of the most valuable spices in yeah. the ancient world, without a doubt, right? They didn't have refrigeration. So if you're going to, you know, pull fish out of the sea or you're going to you go hunting and you, you know, kill a deer or something like that. I don't know if they have deer over in yeah, you know, Palestine, no, but do. I mean, yeah. yeah, you're going to put salt into the meat in order to preserve it. Otherwise, you're going to lose it. Right. Right. And, um, and so, so that's, that's an essential component. And then there is a sense in which it does provide flavor. They did use it to flavor mm-hmm. things, right? So it, it also has that sort of that quality about it. And then, like you said, that it's got this other quality where like, yeah, once, once it's no longer good for preserving or providing, then you, yeah, you throw it out and that helps keep the roads clean and, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, those kinds of things. And so that's a, a fascinating. So Jesus, when he, when he's saying to his disciples, cause that's who he's talking to in the Sermon on the Mount, he's mainly talking to his disciples up on the mountain. When he says to his disciples, you are the salt of the earth, you know, if it had, if, if salt in the first century world had all those qualities and characteristics, is he, is he referring to all of that? Is it, you know, as the disciples go yeah. out, are they going to, are they going to dissolve the manure of the world? Is that yes. what they're talking yeah. about? Yeah. He's saying, that's the call, all the right? manure yes. and your, your job is to break it down. Your job is to break it down. I mean, that actually, I, I mean, I don't know that he's not talking about that to be say, honest. It's Jesus. <laughs> here, here you go. Here's the, the radical teacher right. with, with multifaceted meanings to what yes. he's saying. In some sense, I do think it's true that he wants us to be flavor right. among the earth. You know, yeah. if you think of a salt granule, you watch cooking shows, you watch, you know, your Bobby Flay stuff or whoever your, your cook is du jour, I suppose. See, I got the, the cooking line in I there. Did, I yeah, that. appreciate that. That's that good. <laughs> but he, like a single granule of salt flavors of uh, a wide section of meat. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So yeah, you don't have to use a lot of it. You don't have right. to use a lot of it. So when he's saying you're the salt of the earth, I think he's yeah. saying in some ways you are going to flavor just the, the culture of the people around you. You are going to have an impact. And it's not a one-to-one ratio. Right. You individually right. have this opportunity to influence and speak into the lives of a great variety of people. So there is right. the flavor component. And then I think there's also a, a preservation component too. Yeah. yeah. In that he's entrusting this great gospel message to these people gathered there. And their job is to go flavor the earth with it, but then to also 
preserve and and keep it, if you mm-hmm. will. Yeah, it's really interesting when you when you start to think about that. I mean, you think about the, and I think all of these implications are really in play because again, we just we have like the 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 summary statement that Matthew has captured. He's not captured probably all of what Jesus has said as he has sort of right. unpacked this image for his disciples, but this right. is sort of the summary statement. Matthew is making an assumption that his readers will understand and know all these qualities about salt. And, and so the implications, I think, are all present here. And so when you talk about like, like when I was listening to you talk about flavor there for a moment, I thought, you know, back to one of the first times, like when I tried to like, you know, we probably have all done this on some level. Like you go to bake a cake mm-hmm. and because you're a kid, you're not paying attention to the directions. And instead of sugar, you choose salt, salt yeah. right? Something like that. You make that and, mistake once. Right. You make that mistake once because it's gross. Right. It's too much salt all in one place. Yeah. Right. The ancient people would have totally understood that. So when Jesus tells his disciples, hey, uh, you are the salt of the earth. They understand that sort of naturally means that throughout the course of their lives, they're going to be dispersed. Yes. Like, like they're not going to try and gather in a holy huddle in like one place and, right. you know, put up walls and, and not, because that's not what you do with salt. Mm-hmm. If, if, if that's what you're doing with salt, you're like in a salt shaker. You're actually not being used right. for your purposes. The only place we gather all the salt in one place is like, yeah, like a little box of salt that we keep on a shelf somewhere, it's actually not doing what it's supposed to do. And so yeah. when salt is used appropriately to flavor the world or to bring that flavor to the world, it is going to be dispersed widely. It's going to be dispersed as widely as possible on some level, right? And that is going... And, and again, salt itself, the goal is not to taste the salt. Right, it's to enhance the flavor it's of whatever you're It's to enhance the salting. flavor of whatever you're salting. So there's that aspect to it, too. It's not going to be about us. It's not going to be about yeah. the, the disciples. From this, As they move forward, they're going to be dispersed around the world. Their job is to enhance the lives of the people that they get to interact with. Their job is to carry this gospel forth. And that's what's really going to... That's their job is to sort of adorn the gospel with their life, not bring the focus upon themselves. And so there's that flavorful aspect. And then, like you said, there's that preservative aspect, which again is dependent upon the salt being dispersed widely across Mm -hmm. whatever it is you're trying to preserve. And and really, when you think about it, the church, when it is on mission, and and you see this around the world, you see this throughout history, you you can actually trace this. People have this image, it's false, by the way, people have this image of sort of pre-Christian pagan society Mm -hmm. as being this sort of like wonderfully idyllic sort of uh, utopia. Really? That Christians screwed up. Huh. That Christians were the ones who introduced sort of patriarchy to the world. Christians were the ones who introduced all these negative things into the world. But actual historians (laughs) who study these things go back and they're like, that's just totally ridiculous. That's all mythological. Mm -hmm. In actuality... Pagan societies were brutal, horrible. They practiced human sacrifice frequently. I mean, they just they, they were they were they were brutal, horrific societies. There wasn't this wonderful equality between men and women, right? And like all of that kind of nonsense that like you might see in the movies or something like that. No, these were pretty brutal societies. Uh, at the end of the day, there was no equality. They didn't believe in human rights. Like the whole idea of universal human rights is a totally Christian notion. So yeah. even that in itself acts as a preservative, right? In our world, like like no matter what you think about Christianity. You might think it's totally bogus and for the birds, but the reality is the fact that you, if you're listening to this podcast, I can almost guarantee you do believe in universal human rights. That's a preservative element of the Christian faith Absolutely. that did not exist pre-Christian. Hmm. They didn't believe, they, no, Aristotle was clear. Some people are meant to be slaves and some people are meant to rule. Right. And there you go. 
Like that's just life. Yeah. You know? And, and so there's this sense in which, again, Christian, Christians, as we're sent out into the world, we are to act like a preservative. We're to bring mm-hmm. these sort of fundamental understandings to our world that actually allow for then uh, human flourishing. Yeah. So when you, when you move out into the world and you, you have this notion of universal human rights, that every human being has dignity and value and worth because they're made in the image of God, whether they're poor or rich, whether they are slave or free, yeah. male or female, gay or straight, you name it, doesn't matter. Like that, That's going to act as a preserving element. The, the other thing I think about too, when I think about like this sort of preserving elements, I don't just think about universal human rights, but I think about just even the notion of like, how the world works. Like if you don't believe in a monotheism, modern science is not actually possible. Right. Modern science is completely based upon the fundamental premise that the universe has an order to it. Mm. And that is absolutely a, 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 an outflow of monotheism. Yeah. So whether that's Judaism or Christian, it's not unique to Christianity, but certainly Judaism and then Christianity and then later Islam, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's absolutely fr- flows from a monotheistic understanding of the world that there's a God who created all things. There's an order to it. And because there's an order to it, we can study it, we can observe it and we can replicate it. Yeah. And that's what has driven actually modern science. So these are some, just some basic things that like, I think we take for granted because just the water we swim in these days, like this is just what we inherit. So yeah. So I think those, those two things are certainly, you know, present there. Now, now, now let's take it a little deeper. Okay. So, so if that's, you know, those are just some examples. What today in the world, as Christians go out into the world today, as the church goes out into the world today, what are some other things that we can do to be the salt of the earth, to carry this preserving this preserving quality into our culture to carry this flavorful quality into our culture. What are some other, some other things? What do you, what do you try and do as a you know, high school teacher? Well, I, the words that you said that stick out to me are this idea of Jesus is just coming off this upside down kingdom beatitudes. And now you're talking about human flourishing Yeah, right. that he's not, he's not going into this list of rules all of a sudden and going, and by the way, it's going to be terrible. Right. right. He says, no, 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 you're the salt of the earth. And this, I think it's actually encouraging. Yeah. It really is this encouragement of you are going to flavor and preserve my message, this good news across the entire planet. And so back to your question about what do I do? I think one of the things, as I think about salt, you hit on it, that nobody Nobody goes, mmm, that's good salt. You know, when they you know when they're <laughs> right, eating totally. food, they don't go. Not even know. Himalayan pink I, salt. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm more of a sea salt guy. Yes, or yes, a, yes. But hey, by the way, as an aside, yeah. So the one place that like I've been where like you you see like salt in like all of its nitty gritty sort of glory is the Dead Sea. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. So for sure. I, the last summer I'm walking into the Dead Sea and like it is painful because oh, you're walking on these salt crystals. Especially because you shave your legs. And exactly, I know that your legs right? burn yeah, when burn. you go into that. Come on. And, and I mean, no, it, it's a good thing you can float in the Red Sea because you certainly don't want to walk into the Red Sea yeah. because you're walking on these salt crystals. And it's painful. It is. Right? And yep. so anyway, that was just a, no, a little I, aside. No one says, hey, that's some good salt. That's in some the good Dead salt sea. when they're I'm when walking they're on anything, this stuff and right? it's painful. Yeah. There is a humility concept yeah. about that, about no, you're, you're to enhance that which is being salted. So there yeah. is again, layer upon layer. So when I, when I think about this too, I think of that, that last part of salt losing its saltiness yeah, right. in terms of 
Yeah, what does like, that mean? There is a purpose to salt. And when salt mm-hmm. loses its saltiness, I mean, if you were to describe, it's, it's almost impossible to describe the flavor of salt without a circular definition. Yeah. To say like, what does salt taste like? Well, it's rather salty. Right. You know, it's, it's right. one of these flavors on the tongue. We got the bitter and the salt and the sweet and all this. But I think of just the idea of salt losing its saltiness being it's, it's no longer good for what it's intended to be used for. We incidentally in the Western world here, we have a, we use a different spice when we say it's lost its, its effect is effectiveness or its pungency. We say that's vanilla. And we oh, say like, interesting. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, so right, vanilla. Yeah. Vanilla to us like yeah. means bland. Yeah. Right. You know, even though vanilla itself as a spice isn't, right. isn't bland, but we say, oh, that's, that's so yeah. vanilla. So I think what Jesus is saying here is, yeah, if you're, if your salt, for lack of a better term, is, is vanilla, if, yeah. it, if it doesn't have its effectiveness, it's not even good. And you're good. mixing spices in, the, in my spice rack. Yeah, my sorry. spice rack. I, I'm not quite sure I'm keeping up with you. It's not even good. for yeah. The last use of salt beyond yeah. flavor and preservation was to help disintegrate manure yeah. to keep, because they're, you know, agrarian society and stuff. He says it's not even good for that. So I think of people who you know, claim to be Christians. You said it in your sermon this morning, actually, like an aspect of the Christian faith is to share it. Yes. If your goal as a Christian is simply to be saved, you took care of you and that's it. I think Jesus is saying here, it's, it's incomplete. Right. In terms of your understanding, you are to go out. There's a, there's a calling there. So I think of my own life with that, with high school kids, it's, it can be wearisome saying the same thing over and over, which I'm sure right. you experience as a pastor yeah, sometimes. I don't, know what, I don't even know what that means. You have no what, idea. What do you yeah. Mean that? Like, yeah, people just hear you they once hear and me they're like, and they take Thank it you. and they meditate on my words. <laughs> yeah, day and my night. 16 year old students you sometimes know, need, it, need it a couple times. Yeah, they quote me to me. Right. I love that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that literally never happens. But, but the whatever. idea okay. of my going, wife doesn't even do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> going out <laughs> and still saying, you have a purpose. And and don't don't grow numb to your faith. There should be this excitement always. And sometimes we need to be regospeled. Sometimes we mm. need to regospel ourselves, so that we don't forget one of our calls as Christians is to to go share this with others. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is that that sense of like, as you're talking, just that that sense of uselessness, right? If a salt isn't salt, if salt isn't salty, it is right. useless. Totally, it it is purpose. I mean, yeah. it, it, there's no point to it. There's no value to it, right? You know, that kind of thing. And so throughout the scriptures, you see it. And, and you know, the Apostle Paul talks about it. Other, others, other authors talk about it. They talk about having the form of godliness, but not having the power, hmm. right? Or yeah. going through the motions. Like you saw that in the prophetic literature in the Old Testament, especially the prophets, man, they rail on Israel over and over again. Why? Because they're going through all the right motions, but there's nothing underneath it. There's nothing underneath the surface. It's all empty. Right. It's all vanity. It's all vain. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't, it's not helpful. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's why even do it? You know, that's why God even tells Israel at certain places, like, I hate your worship. Like mm-hmm. it, you're going through all the right motions. You're doing all the things that I told you to do, but I can right. see the heart and I hate yeah. what you're doing because it's not real. It's not authentic. It's yeah. not honest. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here is that we go through all of these beatitudes and we go through, you know, all the things he's going to talk about in the Sermon on the Mount and we're, you know, we're, 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 everything, of course, he says, can be summed up essentially in two commandments, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Like, that is the heart of it all. And if you aren't, if you don't have that, then you're, you're, 
you, your salt has lost its flavor. Totally. You, you are, uh, you know, faith without love, faith without the love of God, faith without the love of others is dead. It's it's actually not faith. It's it's something else. It's something, it, it, I, I don't know what it is, right? But it's, it's not salt. Do right? you think that people today, I mean, one of the things that I try to do sometimes is, is pull outside of my my everyday routine mm-hmm. and ask myself, okay, is, is what I'm doing making sense? You've had a chance to travel extensively. I've, right. I've gotten a couple, I've been to Cuba and, right. and gotten to see some, um, Broomfield churches there. Yeah. yeah. And just to come back and if, you know, if somebody were at land from Mars and say, so, so tell me what it means to be a Christian here. Right. Do you think many people would say, well, you go to church on Sunday mm-hmm. You pray before meals. You try not to cuss, drink, or right. yeah, watch Radar our movies too much, mm-hmm. and uh, say things like you sign off emails with blessed right. or blessings or something like that, or praise His name, and that's about. It. And then you just try to be a good person. It seems that Jesus here is saying, "Yeah, that's not it." No, I think that's exactly right. I think I think actually what so there, it'd be, it's interesting. That's a great way to think about it. Like. I think there would be an aspect in which if someone were to come from a different culture entirely, come to America and say, okay, what does it mean? Ask your average Christian, someone who identifies as a Christian, what does that mean to you? I think there would be an aspect of it where, you know, the person obviously would give a verbal answer of some kind. Sure. Right. And then there would be this other, there would be another aspect to it, which is there's the verbal answer that they themselves probably don't even live up to. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then there's the actual, like if, if that person, if that person from a different culture were able to like walk alongside yeah, you, like, like studying like a social day in, worker, day out, right. You yeah. know, all that kind of stuff, like they're under glass on some level. Yeah. Right. And they'd be able to like, look at their life. They and would then write like, up a report. Yeah. They would be like, huh. And then, and then there is of course the actual biblical definition of like what it means to be a Christian. And, and I think all three of those are very different. So I think, I think most so people, this has been my experience because I've sat at the deathbed of people and stuff like that. And I mean, I, you know, I'm asking some of these questions like, you know, are you like, are is your life right with Jesus? Right. I mean, are you, you know, t- tell me how your relationship with Christ is. This is like, as people are like dying right mm-hmm. there. So, you know, these are like some of the most honest, most real moments. And a lot of times they're, I mean, almost, I would say the vast majority of answers I get is some version of, well, I'm a good person, right? Or I've been a good person, so therefore, right? So I think fundamentally, like the general verbal answer that people would get, someone like that would get is, yeah, I've been a good person, meaning that I've lived up to on some to some notion of morality in my head. I've conveniently forgotten all of the things that I, you know, didn't do right. Um, but, it, you know, I've sort of taken stock of my life and the ledger is is sort of tilted in my direction at least a little bit, right? Yeah. And so therefore I'm a good person, therefore God is going to let me in, all that kind of stuff, right? That's the verbal answer. Then you actually, again, because some of these people I know pretty well, or I start talking to their families, oh, or I start no. talking to their spouses, or I start talking to their kids or their grandkids, and then you find out, what they were really like. Okay. And that's a completely different picture than I'm a good person, right? It's, it ends up this, what gets revealed often in those cases is someone who wasn't very good at all. In fact, that doesn't mean that they were horrible or evil or, or those kinds of things. Although I've run into that as well. What it, what it just means is they weren't, 
you know, they didn't value relationships the way that they should. They didn't value their children the way that they should. They didn't value their spouse the way that they should. They mm-hmm. didn't, you know, they, they weren't, they weren't present, you know, they were distant. They weren't emotionally available, whatever it might be, right? You find out that the person actually isn't as actually, so the ledger, if there is a ledger, the ledger is actually not tilted towards the good. It's tilted probably towards the bad. And, <laughs> and so then you're going, huh, right? So then that leaves you with a whole second set of questions, right? And then fundamentally, like when you get, when you boil it all down and you, you, if you're able to sit down and talk long enough, you're, you are able to represent the gospel. Mm-hmm. And let them know that, yeah, it's actually not about whether the ledger is good, bad, or otherwise. It's actually, there is no ledger. Like, like Christ, the only ledger that matters is Christ's ledger, and Christ's ledger is perfect. Yeah. And now that's your ledger. If you've accepted him, that is your, that's, that's, that's the ledger. That's the only ledger that counts. That's the only ledger. So, so I, think, I think that's how, you know, I mean, because, look, we know the statistics. We know the data. Like, like you, when they do polls, Christians lie on polls all the time. Right. They, they dramatically over-report There's their church attendance. There's a long pause between the lie yes, and then yes. the on polls. Right. They, they dramatically overstate their church attendance. They dramatically overstate, you know, how often they read the Bible, how right. often they pray. Like, we know this for a fact. Like, the margin of error on these polls is so clear, and people that have done the research have, have demonstrated it over and over and over and over and over again. So, so it's, it is just an interesting thing because I think most Christians... They don't, even though they've been, the gospel's been preached, again, it's, it's like a, a, the, the missiologist Leslie Newbegin said years ago when he, he was a missionary in India forever, came back to England to teach. And as he came back into the West, he, his statement was that the Western culture is inoculated to the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's like been yeah. vaccinated to the gospel. It's been given this weak, weak form of the gospel. Mm-hmm. That, that is just, that's what a vaccine is typically. And it, and it has inoculated us to the real gospel. And so he yeah. actually found Western culture, London in, in his case, to be a far, far more difficult mission field than his 40 years in India. Yeah. Well, it, it reminds me of in Matthew 13, Jesus is telling this parable of the sower mm-hmm. that people are familiar with where right. farmers scatter seed under these right. four different kinds of soil. There's this the the rocky soil there's right. the path there's the the weedy soil mm-hmm. if you will and then the good soil and it it seems like when you teach that in Sunday school you teach that in church most people in church go I am the good soil yes look at me right. here right. I am right. and mm-hmm. when you look at those the only difference between the seed that is the word of God that right. sprouts and grows between the the weedy soil and the the good soil is that the the plant in the good soil bears fruit. Exactly. It produces. Which, which seems right. like the salt here. Right. Like the... the know, same deal. If same can, principle. Yeah. If you can take these two teachings of mm-hmm. Jesus and you go, if you lose your saltiness mm-hmm. as a Christian, if you lose your excitement mm-hmm. at this life that you've been invited into, to the point that you no longer even want to share it with anybody, Right. that the things that you're so trapped by other people's opinions, like what if I actually... Right shared this life-saving gospel with somebody else, what would they think of me? I think it's fair to say Jesus would say, you're like the third soil. Yeah. You, you sprouted. Sure. There was the word of God grew mm-hmm. in your heart, but the purpose of the plant is to produce fruit and you didn't. That's right. And so or people, you haven't or you yeah, haven't yet. Yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. I think in this, it's easy to sit here and go, I'm the salt of the, the earth. That's yeah. right. But we read the sower parable and we go, I'm the good soil. Right. And I think Jesus is going, yeah, you're not, not so fast mm-hmm. here, actually. We're so 
concerned about this. In fact, we were talking before this about the idea of mm-hmm. community, of inviting others into our lives. Right. And it seems like here in America, we're, you know, we do that on the Super Bowl. We do that right. at Thanksgiving. Right. We do it for Fourth of July. But we do not have a barbecue to invite our neighbors over and go, right. man, I got to tell you something that changed my life. Totally. That's, that's yeah. too weird to us. Right. It's, it's really odd to us. It, it reminds me of a conversation I had in Wisconsin before coming here. I was doing some church planning work and, and um, I was talking to, there was, I had a, I had a board that overseed, oversaw my work, right? And it was made up of, of pastors and elders from various churches in the, in the area. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of sent representatives and those representatives oversaw my work. So there was, I don't know, there was probably like eight to 10 of them or something like that. And I remember I, 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 I arrive uh, the first couple of months you know, we're there, we're just, Chris and I are just building friendships. We're just having people over, we're inviting yeah. neighbors, we're hanging out, we're having a great time, we're getting to know a ton of people. We lived in this really interesting community where there's a lot of internationals that had moved into the area to work at these big multinational corporations. And so we had people from England and Germany and Kazakhstan and like India and like all these different places. It was it was so much fun. Oh my yeah. gosh, we were learning so much and engaging people and yeah, just learning so much about the world and them, and it was great. And so I'm reporting this at my monthly meeting to my board so that they can, you know, as they're asking Evaluate. me, like, what's, yeah, what's going on and, you know, what kinds of activities are you engaged in, blah, 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 blah. So I'm reporting this out. And this uh, woman on the board, uh, who was an elder at, at a local church, um, was like, oh, man, like, I have got to have you come talk to my neighbor. And I was like, Why? And, and she was like, well, I mean, you know, I, I you know, I, I, you know, I, I just need, he needs to know Jesus. And I was like, well, I agree. He needs to know Jesus. Well, how come you're not talking to your neighbor? And she's like, oh my gosh, you know, I, you know kind of all these excuses, right? Yeah. And everything. I said like, well, how long have you lived next door to your neighbor? She's like, well, for 30 years. And I was like, and, and what do you know about your neighbor? And she's like, well, not, not really much. I guess he went through cancer a few years back. And I was like, did you, did you like go over and like care for him or? ask what you could do to help or blah, 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 while he was going through cancer. And she's like, no, I just wasn't sure. I mean, all we ever talk about is like the weather and the Packers. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> which is what you do in Wisconsin. Well, yeah. yeah. And I was like, well, right. Like, I totally get it. Like, if all you ever talk about is the weather and the Packers, then yes, it is really difficult to jump from that to Christ, mm-hmm. to jump from that to the most intimate relationship we could possibly have in this world. And, and what I realized as I walked away from that conversation was, I was like, yeah, I don't know that we have like an, like when we talk about evangelism, I don't know that we have like a, a problem like with our knowledge of the gospel. Like I think a lot of Christians could tell you what the good news is. Right. Jesus died for our off. sins. They could rattle it off. What we have is a relationship problem. We, we, we don't know how to be in relationship with other people. Like you said, we don't, we don't like just invite people over for barbecues to tell them about this guy that changed you know, my life forever. Or right. Whatever. We it's, don't do that. We might get together for the Super Bowl so that we can like, again, talk about the Packers, the Broncos, or whoever it is that's in the Super Bowl, right? the Broncos, but... You know, yeah. Um, hey, next year. Next year, that's buddy. Right. Next year. Uh, or, or we might get over for March Madness to watch some basketball. Uh-huh. Or we might get together, you know, for the 4th of July to watch fireworks or something along those lines. We probably have the same conversations over and over and over again. We, we I mean, that, that's typically what happens at those things it's really, really hard to get down to the deeper level stuff where then it actually makes those segues then into a conversation about faith. That's a really challenging place to be. And again, Christians, if we're to be salty, 
Mm-hmm. I think part in, in all of its good sense, not mm-hmm. like salty in the bad sense. But right. if we're going to be salty in the good sense, I think the key is is learning or relearning or whatever it might be how to build just relationships, just real people having hanging out, talking about life, getting into like the deeper level stuff and really finding out how each other are doing. If you if you can get down into those levels, then again the the bridge to Jesus becomes pretty natural actually right because invariably the person's going to say to you like well how did you make it through robbie with all of your kids or how did you you know how did you do you know with your when you hit this rough patch in your marriage and you're able to say well yeah let me tell you like i mean like like i I have a faith in christ and man when we hit this rough patch like man the only thing that it felt like the only thing that preserved us was really the fact that we had that in common yeah And, and, and we didn't if we didn't have that in common i don't know where we'd be you know, I've had that conversation many times because my wife and I've been through rough patches and it has felt like the only thing holding us together is our faith in Christ, you know? And that's such a good point that it, I think most of us think that when we're called to be the salt of the earth, we got to go start knocking on doors yeah, right, right. and we got to, you know, say Which that. we kind of, um, on some level, like, but from a relational standpoint, you right. kind of have to, right? I mean, you know, knock in on my doors. generation, there were the, you know, you had the, the Jehovah's Witness you know, evangelist, yeah, you had right. the Mormon evangelists, right, right. you had the people asking for, you know, donations to right. whatever the organization was. I mean, it's really interesting that growing up, the door would just, the doorbell would ring right. and you had no idea. This was before ring vacuum, doorbells. Vacuum sales. It could be vacuum. Yeah, it could right, be so. Girl Scout cookies. Correct, it yeah. could be a guy selling paintings. Right. Somebody wanted to paint your number on the curb, all right. of those. And sometimes it was a person who wanted yeah. to share their faith with you. Yeah. And so nowadays I think people go, well, no soliciting. I'm not going right. to go share my, my faith because that means knocking on doors and nobody wants you to knock on their doors anymore. Right. And I think your, your point about relationship building is so true. We, we need to be in relationship so that we can bring up the question or the que- question can be brought up That's to right. us about how did you yeah. or how are you, how are you wrestling through yeah. this so that we have the opportunity to go, man, let me, let me tell you how I did uh, it. Right. And that's, that's part of that saltiness. And the, when yeah. I think of my own heroes of the faith in my own life growing up, they were ready at a moment's notice yeah. to offer this, yeah. this word of encouragement and hope that only the gospel provides. Yeah. And when I look at my own life, I think, man, I, I work at a school where I get to do that daily. Right. But I wonder if I'm even too comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I don't want to lose my saltiness. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Well, I tell you what, let's put a pin in this and come back okay. because Jesus uses a second image. Right. Not unlike the salt image, he uses this image of us being the light of the world. So when we come back in part two, let's talk about what it means to be light of the world. Let's keep let's keep this conversation going about door knocking and building relationships and those kinds of things because I do think that that's an essential component of this that in the first century they would have just naturally understood. Yeah. And we have to struggle to get there. And I think that's what makes the, the faith questions so challenging for us at times. So uh, thanks as always to Jake, um, our guy behind the glass making us sound so good, and our brother Billy for putting these uh, podcasts together and doing all of our producing and those kinds of things. Please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus in the weeks ahead. We'd love your comments and your reviews as always on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast. Subscribe to stay tuned as we release more episodes, and we'll talk to you next time.